Hello and welcome. You are listening to Patient Talk Podcast, delivered to you by Omni Health Insights. In this month's episode, I'll be chatting with Harold Gallot, who is founder and company group chairman of Medex Ventures Group, an investment and management firm. He's also co-founder of Microbot Medical, serving as its CEO, president and chairman, while leading it from inception through successful listing on a NASDAQ. He's also founder and chairman of Exact Robotics Limited, a promising early stage robotic medical device venture, as well as Medex Accelerator, a government supported medical devices incubator in Israel. I began a conversation by asking Harel for an update on Exact Robotics, which is focused on advancing the field of radiology by developing the world's first and only hands-free robotic solutions that can significantly improve targeting accuracy, efficiency, and consistency in percutaneous radiology procedures. When we talk about medical robotics, we should probably learn from what we learned from the aviation. And if I will ask you how many times you've been on an airplane, well, let's say before COVID, you probably once a month, once every other week. And then I'm going to ask you, you know, how many times you got on the airplane and you sat down and you said, oh my God, a robot is flying me. That never happened, right? But the truth is, is that 95% of the flight is being done by the automated pilot. And we don't think about it twice. We actually trust it. The pilots trust it. The FAA trusts it. Everybody's trusting it. But still, when it comes to medicine, we want to see the human factor, the surgeons involved. And the very ability in the skills between the physicians, it's something that we have to overcome in order to really get to where we need to be with healthcare. So people talk about robotic surgeries, companies like Intuitive Surgical or Mizzou Robotics or MECO, but they're not really robotics. And they are what they call robotic assisted surgery, which means you're still heavily relying on the technical skills of the physician to perform the surgery. And if you look at what physicians are doing, they're doing two things. One is what I call the intellect skills, where it's what they see, what they plan, how to do the procedures, and then the technical skills, which is actually performing the procedure. And Exact Robotics, it's the first company ever to separate between those two skills, meaning the physician is still planning and monitoring the procedure, but when the time is right for the insertion of the tools, and it can be tools for ablations, for biopsies, for drug delivery, then the robot itself drives the tool into the target and compensate for breathing, for movements. And it's way more pronounced when it comes to interventional radiology. And why is that? It's because those procedures are done when most of the patients are awake, they're breathing, they're moving, it's soft tissue, most of the tools the physicians are using, if it's biopsy needles or ablation probes are flexible and you have all this movement. So one thing that you can achieve by the fact that the physician does not push the tools into the body is that the robot can compensate. The robot can follow a nonlinear trajectory versus what physician can do only linear. And that leads to many other benefits. When you have the ability to do only linear, it means that if you cannot get to the target by pushing the needle through a linear trajectory, 
then you usually reinsert the needle multiple times in and out you reposition the patient every repositioning it's another radiation because there's another scan it's more time in the city room so it's less efficiencies for the hospital so there's a lot of benefit for having a robot do this on top of that one thing that always amazes me is the fact that there are not a lot of physicians that have the skills to go after lesions that are smaller than one centimeter. And can you imagine a patient coming in and you can see a lesion in their lung and the patient is being told to go home and wait until it grows? We're in 2021. No patient should have something in their lung, their liver, their pancreas, and just be told, go home and wait until it grows because we don't have the tools to get to target. And with the accuracy of exact, we, in our preclinical cases, we went after targets as small as less than one millimeter, which means earlier diagnostic. Earlier diagnostic usually means better treatment adjusted to the patients. And that's the holy grail of healthcare is how can we treat patients earlier? How can we customize the treatment according to what they need? Not when the cancer is at stage three, for example, but how can we find it earlier? And that's what's so unique about Exact. It's not only the capabilities of the robot, but it's also about the benefits and the added value it brings to the patients on one hand, the physician on another hand, and then the healthcare system that can now really democratize this procedure, make them more efficient, understand the recurrences, for example. If I may tell you a story, we have a shareholder in the company who told me about exact saved my life. And I said, how exactly we saved your life? And he said, when he was thinking about investing in the company, he had a biopsy and the biopsy came negative. But because he knew from the research he did about exact, that there's a huge percentage of biopsies that are being misdiagnosed, he went to get a second opinion and he was diagnosed as a stage three cancer. And he said, without exact, I would go home, be happy. My first biopsy was negative, but because of exact, I came back and all of a sudden they got to the target, they got the accuracy, they got the right issue. And I got the treatment because I was able to be treated or to be diagnosed accordingly. So this is what's so unique about exact. And also why radiology? If you think about the history of the surgery world in a way, or the medical space, we went from open surgery, what is called laparotomy 30, 40 years ago to laparoscopy. So smaller, less invasive, less trauma. And now people talk about robotic assisted surgery, which is you know even smaller or single port, but the truly minimal invasive procedure can be done in radiology where you use imaging modalities such as CT, MRI, ultrasound, and then you use very small tool usually just one of them to get to the target. And, and that's to me, it's where healthcare should be in the future. Not only as minimal invasive as possible, but also take you away from the operating room. If we can avoid sending patients unnecessary to the hospital and give them other options such as ambulatory surgical care, outpatient, uh, physician office, that's where healthcare is going in the future. And robotics will play a huge part in it. That sounds incredibly powerful, the way you described it. You know, it's interesting, you mentioned the analogy of aviation. I was actually watching a YouTube video yesterday 
featuring uh, Jeremy Clarkson, who's a British uh, TV personality, and he's in a Tesla vehicle. And you know, of course, this guy's been on 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 the uh, on, on the TV for years and years and years, and uh, and now he's basically sitting in this uh, Tesla, uh, driving on on a highway. And in fact, he's not actually driving because the car's driving itself, it's self-driving. And uh, but nonetheless, he's still there at the controls. But the, but the car is weaving in and out of traffic through using whatever technology it has, artificial intelligence, maybe scanning the road ahead, making its own decisions. And and so I feel that we as consumers, as as patients, we are becoming more and more familiar with, you know, the concept of automation and, and, and robots making smart decisions on our behalf. But how do patients feel about this robotic technology? Are they even told about it prior to whatever surgery they have on the operating table? Are there any sort of objections like, well, you know, I, I'd rather have someone with a knife in the hand, you know, do the incision as opposed to a needle guided by a robot? I think you raise a great point. And I think this is a process, as I mentioned, that we should learn from the aviation, why it became to the point that we don't even think about a robot is flying us. It's because holistically, everybody accepted it. So to your question about the patient, we need to start with the physicians, right? And the one message I always try to give physicians is robots are not here to replace you. Robots are here to enhance your capabilities. Just as the aviation world, that's what happened. So one thing is to overcome the robot is going to replace me objection from physicians sometimes. And I, and I think we're starting to get past that because a lot of robotics are in general surgery, in neurology, in orthopedics, in cardiovascular, that it's starting to become the norm and physicians know they have to jump on board. When it comes to patients, the good thing is there's a new doctor in town called Dr. Google. You may have heard of him. And many physicians, before they come to even see a physician, they do their due diligence. They come and saying, doctor, I heard about this. So here's the challenge. How do you close this gap? Because if your referral physician or the surgeons are not educated and a patient who's educated come to them and a physician saying, never heard of it, it's probably experimental, then the patient will not take action. So what we always have to do is educate both. You got to educate the physician from the referral physicians, the treatment physicians, and the patient and close that gap that when they meet, they speak the same language. What are the benefits of your treatment that I'm going to get here with the robot? Now, a lot of pushback is starting to come from patients who don't get that treatment because what you see lately is patient testimonials. And when a patient talks about, for example, as the example I gave you that my first biopsy was negative, but because I knew about the robot, I went to get a second opinion and the second opinion saved my life, then a patient that comes to see a physician and a physician tells him, well, your lesion is 0.6 millimeter. Why don't you go home and wait? Most patients now that they're educated will say, well, doctor, with all the respect, I'm going to go across the road to the other hospital. They have this robot. And that's the only way that we can get to the democratization of healthcare is the fact that both patients and physician will be well-educated and acceptance of what robotic and smart systems, and it can be smart AI or deep learning or anything else bring to their practice. You just use a very powerful word there, which is uh, democratization. Does that extend to location? So based on what I saw in, on, on YouTube, devices that you have are very portable. In fact, the size of an iPad. And, and so I'm thinking of a potential scenario whereby a physician is, is based uh, perhaps remotely while the actual operation takes place in a in a rural uh, context or setting. It could be somewhere like Africa. 
armed with one of your devices. Is, is, is that feasible? Can that actually happen? Absolutely. It's actually happening as we speak. It's called access. And one of the things that we see when it comes to robotics is the access. And the access starts with how can we get rid of the big capital equipment? So in all my companies, if you look at Microbot Medical, so Microbot Medical is the first company in the world that is doing a fully disposable robotic system. So there is no capital equipment. You take it off the shelf and there's many benefits. People think that capital equipment is just the expense. Well, it's not. Capital equipment usually require a dedicated room, a dedicated staff, and so on. When you have a disposable product, you get rid of all this expensive, unnecessary infrastructure. But more than this, you can allow this device to get access to remote locations because you can take it and put it somewhere else. You can have somebody in China just put it on the patient and it doesn't necessarily need to be a physician. We see, for example, in our site for exact robotics in Florida, a nurse practitioner is actually doing some of the procedures now. First of all, that's the perfect example of democratization, that the nurse practitioner can do the same procedure as the expert interventional radiologist. So she's taking care of some procedures while the interventional radiologist is focused on more the complex procedures and is the expert when she needs his input. So when we talk about access, it's also about time to target. So when you talk about stroke management, for example, where time is brain, you don't have the time to set up the room, to set up the capital equipment, to drape it. And you don't have 20, 30 minutes, just have the patient wait until you have the robot ready. But when you have a disposable, ready-to-go product that you just take off the shelf, you open it, it's sterile, you just put it on the patient, and it takes you 30 seconds, then you not only have access, you start getting adoption. So democratization, in my opinion, is how can we make sure that it's global? And now with the 5G that it's coming, having telesurgery, it's becoming more and more reality. But also, how do we ensure that regardless of the skills of the physician, and it can be because of how old they are, their focus in the training, or so on, because somebody who was trained in a big university hospitals may get a better training than somebody who got it in, in a smaller training facility. But once we have these technologies, that regardless of your training, the robot will do the same procedure, that's when we get to this democratization. That will reduce complication and eventually will increase efficiencies for the healthcare system. That's really powerful again, and I can see how this can play a really critical role in the future of healthcare. So enabling or empowering more people to conduct important procedures. And so in, in that vein, where do you see the role of artificial intelligence in all of this? Because we're seeing AI used as a component in, in medical imaging, for instance, and, and especially during a pandemic when it's helped to detect coronavirus and in, in, in lungs. Do you feel there's a powerful opportunity for AI to step in and help empower the physician again with the surgery? No question asked. Absolutely. In my opinion, the future of medicine, it's the nice dance or relationship between the robotics, which is the hardware, the software, which is the AI, deep learning, the imaging modalities, which are great regardless of what you're using today, if it's MRI, CT, ultrasound, and then the disposable, which tools you are using. And when you look at all this mix, funny enough, about two years ago, I was interviewed and I introduced to the world the concept of AAA for robotics. And people ask me, what's AAA? And the AAA stands for assisted, advised, and autonomous. 
And today we are at the first A. Everything that we see, intuitive surgical, Mako, Mazor, are assisted, meaning the physician still need to do the procedure with his hands and then the robot will mimic it. As we move to advice, that's when you're going to see more and more the role of AI and deep learning, where it will be the interaction between the physician and the program, regardless if it's artificial intelligence or deep learning, that are giving the physician some feedback. Let me give you an example. When a physician is going into a surgery, what they see, the decision they make is based on 500, 1,000 procedures they've done in their life, right? Or a few conferences they went to. But if they're in the middle of procedure and program gives them millions of decisions points from millions of procedures that the program collected and tell them, doctor, right here, I suggest you switch to this tool or doctor right here, you should probably push it more to the right. Then the clinical decision is still the physician, but giving them additional clinical points, that's great. And that's, for example, where Microbot is playing. So Microbot still, the physician has a remote control and the program will interact with him. And then you move, once we have enough data points from the AI deep learning that the physician can move to autonomous. And that's where exact is where the physician will tell the robot, here's the target, here's the entry point, and then the robot through the software will communicate to the physician and tell them, well, here's an obstacle, why don't you use this needle, why don't you change to this path? And the the physician at the end of the day is gonna say, yes, I agree, no, I disagree. And they talk between themselves, the robot program and the physician. And once the physician is comfortable with the decision made and he tells the robot, I'm comfortable now, then let the robot do what the robot is great at, just like with the airplane. Let's get you from point A to point B. So this is the concept that I believe we're going through, the triple A of medical robotics. This sounds pretty incredible. And I'm quite excited by the scenario that you just described. It's, <laughs> it, it does sound really quite amazing. But I'm, I'm thinking also of a potential risk or a threat or a danger, which is, you know, you look at cybersecurity, for instance, and, and it's, a, it's a big industry today and and we're hearing a lot about security breaches and hacking and what what if uh, someone were to hack a a procedure perhaps or the ai or infiltrate it somehow from a remote location i mean you know assuming that maybe the patient who's being operated on is is maybe high profile you know is there any danger of that potentially yes yes and uh I believe that med security, cybersecurity, whatever you want to call it, is going to be a huge, huge market in the coming two, three, five years from now. And I can tell you that in our incubator in Israel, we actually started another section that is looking into the cybersecurity because it's not just the robotics. If you talk about the implants, for example, implants are becoming smarter. If you talk about knee implants, if you talk about heart implants, right? pacemakers, all these things are becoming smarter, becoming more autonomous that can make decisions on their own or can help the patient. So it's not just the robot. I think as an industry, the medical device will be looking into more medtech cybersecurity solutions. So the imaging collaborations with the medical devices. So it's not only hacking the medical device. What happens if you hack into the imaging modality that you use? So absolutely, medical, cybersecurity, whatever you want to define it, med security, it's going to be a huge, huge part of how we're going to see healthcare play in the next three to five years. 
Let's talk about the next uh, three to five years. What new products or solutions do you have plans? You already have this amazing, you know, series of uh, devices, but what, what do you have plans in the coming years? To really democratize healthcare. And democratized healthcare can range from the robotics to other procedures. So we spoke about exact robotics. It will, if you notice that, I like to be the first. I, I don't like to be second or better. I like to be the first one that then will have to maintain that we're still better. But Exact Robotics is the first company in the world who's doing completely autonomous robot, hands-free robotic system. Then you have Microbot Medical, which is the first company ever in the world to do a full disposable medical robotic system. Then we have another company called Caps Medical, which is a selective non-thermal ablation. Well, the word ablation is probably not making it justice for cancer. And what's really amazing about it is today, it takes the physicians huge amount of time and a lot of skills to be able to remove or reject or ablate the tumor without damaging a healthy tissue. And what CAPS developed is the ability to take cold plasma, which is non-thermal and it's selective, and get it from outside the body to inside the body without opening the body through laparotomy. And being selective allows you to ensure that you get rid of all the healthy tissue, of all the cancerous tissue, while you keep the healthy tissue intact. And and that's, again, it's the holy grail of cancer treatment when it comes to tumor removal. We have additional companies in the incubator, such as Append Medical, who's taking care of LAA, which is probably the main reason for um, stroke cases. We have a company called Patency which is actually integrating AI deep learning and targeting the largest market in the world, which is the dialysis market. And how do we help, again, treat patients earlier? Because what happened today in in dialysis, patients are going through the treatment and then a few months later it's being occluded and they have to go and reopen it and come back. Why do we have to wait until it's being blocked? Why can't we somehow, and that's what patency are doing, recognize if there is a blockage starting to occur in their vessels and treat it before it's get to complete occlusion. So everything we're aiming to do is patient-centric. How can we ensure that what we bring will benefit the patient dramatically from early detection, early diagnostic, early intervention, and then eventually allows you to have the right treatment that will avoid future recurrences, complications, and so on. And, and we have more companies in the incubator, Xero Medical, which detects early detection of GI leakage, and a few more earlier stage companies in the incubator. But again, overall, Matt, it's really patient-centric. How can you get it earlier? How can you diagnose, treat it earlier? And how can you, on the long run, avoid the complications that leads to patients' complications, but also to healthcare complications, mainly to financial complications. Love your vision and the way you articulate it. And it's so important that you embark on this journey. At the end of the day, it's all about the patients and you know, the technology is, is a conduit you know, to you know, realizing that. You hail from the Middle East originally, of course. Uh, you're from Israel and, and you're currently based in the States. But looking at the Middle East, um, where there's a lot of innovation happening in this part of the world, new technologies are flourishing and, and, and whatnot and a big demand for um, new treatments. Do you have much interest or, or demands for uh, your product in the Middle East? Absolutely. You know, what's really amazing about the Middle East 
it's a people are open as you mentioned to innovation because they see it around them all the time we talk about israel every day there's a few startup companies just in the medical space so number one people are open for innovation second you do have a lot of countries in the middle east with a lot of money that they are willing to invest and improve their healthcare system but third that i found very interesting so before i started my companies i held a position with johnson and johnson running global strategic marketing for ethicon which back then was the largest medical device company of jnj and one of the things that always surprised me is we sold a lot of great technology in the middle east but we didn't see a lot of usability and we said okay it's probably the population well not really there's population in some countries which maybe is as big as the us when we really dug into the fact what happening it came down to one thing it's the skills of the physicians it was the skills of the physician and shortage in skilled physicians so now you're saying okay they're open to innovation in most country money is not the issue and then the issue is the skills and now you remove that through robotics and smart programs isn't that a win-win situation even in china so we talk about the middle east but even if i'll take you to asia and you talk about china it's a huge market but what's the biggest challenge is that you have so much population in rural areas that they don't have the right physician to treat them but now if you can have a nurse that can take a small robot and get a patient ready and somebody can remotely from beijing or from new york city can connect to the system and diagnose the patient even do a procedure think about it now we introduced technologies to areas like africa south america china india that we could not do before and to me this is amazing this will change the world for centuries to come and if we can be part of that revolution I don't think there's anything better in life than fulfilling this dream. I totally agree, and that, that sounds really amazing. And it's the kind of thing that you know you just jump out of bed for, you know, early in the morning. This opportunity to change your world for the better. And we all talk about it. We all talk about meaning and purpose, but to actually make it happen through the latest technologies is quite incredible, really. Delivering change, delivering a revolution of sorts in parts of a globe difficult to reach or um, difficult to deliver state-of-the-art healthcare. And whether it's China or Africa, it does sound absolutely incredible. And you know, Matt, somebody smart once told me, it's not what you do in life that matters, it's what you leave behind you. Being a father of two young girls and see how can we influence their future is amazing to be able to be part of this revolution of robotics, smart devices in healthcare, and build some of those items that... The plan is one day when I'm not here, people will look and say, wow, this group, Medex, really changed people's life for centuries to come. So I, I completely agree with you. And it's it's exciting time. Well, although what makes me wake up in the morning, I have two young girls. So I want it or I don't want it. I have to get up early. That's a great answer. On that note, we're going to have to wrap this one up, I think. But, um, you know, thank you very much for your time. It was, it was really interesting uh, listening to you. And you know, fascinating to hear your vision and, and thoughts about the future. And I hope that anyone listening will feel inspired. Thanks once again to Harold Gallot. If you're interested in reading more about the latest in radiology, head on over to insights.omnia-health.com slash medical dash specialities 
slash radiology. 